You're listening to another podcast from Down Under Investigations. Hi, everyone. Uh, It is so lovely of you all to join us today. Today, we're joined by the amazing Virginia Norton from Norton Lawyers. So, hi, Virginia, and welcome to the show. Hi, John. How are you? I'm very good, very good. Um, We're also joined by Simon, who is here as well. Hi, it's good to uh, see you and good to see you, Virginia. Thanks for joining us today. Um, And thank you, Simon, for your very kind invitation to be uh, interviewed in uh, this podcast format. It's very exciting and um, very grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely. You're one of our favourites. So we couldn't <laughs> wait to get you on. Um, we've been working many years now, almost decades, you'd say. Um, you're, uh, you've been in the legal industry for, for many and uh, we've loved working with you. Um, so we might just start off with the first question there. Um, tell us a little bit about your firm and what you do. Uh, so, personally, I have 30 years' experience in motor vehicle accident claims. My CV, um, I guess as you get older, gets longer. Uh, so, um, I've worked for the big four insurance companies um, from, you know, the, the front of house claims processing uh, all the way through to uh, fraudulent claim um, investigator, moving on um uh, insurance claim experience. I was then headhunted by, at the time, one of the um, leading law firms um, in motor vehicle third-party recovery claims. And I spent 22 years with that firm and um, that was an amazing experience. And then uh, more recently with Slater and Gordon and moving on from Slater and Gordon I then, uh, three years ago, took specialising in what I'm very good at, which is the motor vehicle not-at-fault claim recoveries. Very cool. So so once you went from the, the bigger companies, what was the motivating factor to start your own law firm? Uh, I did start, uh, I did um, apply to become uh, a lawyer uh, as a mature age student, which I should mention, that's over 21, uh, not over 65. So um, I applied for that. Uh, had to sit uh, what was more of an aptitude check test than a like a psych test at Melbourne Uni. I did that with probably 1,500 people. Uh, at the time, I did the um, did the exam. There wasn't part time courses. For, for law anywhere. And the only university that was offering that was Deakin down at Geelong at that time. So I got in, um, but I found working in a full-time legal position and juggling full-time study and doing both and giving them both the priorities they needed. I just couldn't manage my daytime role with the after-hours study. So I didn't actually pursue that. So I should explain that I'm actually not a lawyer. So that might come as a bit of a shock to people. Uh, but my years of experience, and this is going to sound terribly self-serving, but there's no other way around it, years of experience um, working for the best of the best um, and having those skills has enabled me to open up my own practice. And fortunately, our um, our legal services board allows legal bills. I don't do conveyancing. I just do what I'm good at, which is the crash and bash claims, which we like to call them. 
that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And you're you're definitely an expert in in that area, aren't you? Um, over thirty years experience. Uh, that's a long time in the in the game, and there's probably a lot that you've seen through the years. But before yeah. we get into, I guess the um, the commercial business side of things. How do you spend your time away from the office? Tell us about some of your hobbies and favourite things you like to do to spend some time. Um, well, look, I guess like the rest of um, people based in Melbourne and Victoria, um, I've really forgotten what my hobbies are uh, because I've been locked down at home for what seems an eternity. Um, I guess coffee uh, and preferably going out for that um, and sitting down. They've now become my new priorities. Uh, what's your favourite cafe? Uh, I've got one near my... I think a couple of... Maybe a year, or maybe a year and a half ago, and I do remember yeah. the food was exceptional. I'm, yeah. I love the coffee, but I'm, I'm also more concerned sometimes with what's on the menu, but that's just me. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. So apart from coffee and sitting, Virginia, what else do you like doing? <laughs> um, certainly like socialising in any format. So I've got very good at socialising over Zoom. Um, it's not my preferred um, way of communication, but I've had to embrace it like most of our country, state, world. Um, and so socialising might take the form of whining, dining, um, like I said, the coffee catch-up. So it can be something very simple or something very elaborate or anything in between. And I've spent a good many years um, as uh, on a uh, school committee where I was the president of the um, fundraising arm of that committee. So I've become a bit of an event um, queen in setting up events uh, for private school mums. You are actually just answer the, the the next question which was about how you commenced in the legal industry but yeah i you mentioned earlier that you worked you or that you, well, you mentioned earlier that you work in crash and bash uh yeah. claims yeah. um so that's something that you you and your firm specialize in could you explain what that is and even some other areas that your firm specialize in yeah, um, I guess um, in the trade, um, we all have acronyms and um, I guess in our trade, the acronym or in our legal practice and insurance world is crash and bash claims because that's effectively what we do. You have an accident, you're not at fault, you may have insurance on your own vehicle, but you don't really want to claim off your own insurance. So you contact me, I claim against the at-fault parties insurer. And we provide a valet service, if you like, from accident scene, claim form, all the way through to pay out for your claim. Um, our, you're not required to pay our legal fees as um, the insurance companies and or our referring repairers pay our fees. So the client... Um, subject to their ongoing cooperation, bears no cost for our involvement. They get choice of repairer, which is really important if you want the work done properly to your car. We all love our cars when they're not in the driveway. I, that's something I've learned in 30 years. So to avoid the, the inconvenience of not having that car in the driveway when it's off at the panel shop, we provide um, genuine hire cars, not renter bombs. Um, during that period. So it's like for like. So if you're driving a Datsun Sunny, I'll ensure you get a Datsun Sunny. If you're driving a Range Rover, we'll put you in a Range Rover and indeed anything in between that gamut, 
we will place you in that car. And we deal with proper, legitimate hire car companies. So um, the vehicles are well maintained, they're safe, they're insured. So um, there's no concern about safety. Yeah. When you use That's brilliant. Sounds, sounds very convenient what you offer. And, um, you know, for someone who may or may not have been in a vehicle accident before, uh, being able to get straight into another vehicle, of, of course, if you're not injured, um, is just is probably the big, I think sometimes the biggest stress a lot of people face is um, how do I get around from here? Like, oh, I wasn't at fault. I don't have a vehicle. Um, so it's good that they're not renter bombs either, <laughs> unless you obviously were driving a bomb. <laughs> no, and, and that's actually, that's perfectly correct, Simon. The um, I, I think if I use COVID as an example, it's been my experience that people were using their vehicles to get out of their house. So even when we're in Melbourne with only a 5K radius, I can't tell you the amount of people that were just driving around their neighbourhood just to get out of their house. So your your car became um, a way of escaping the kind of cabin fever of being at home. So I think that's brought home to a lot of people how very fortunate we are to have vehicles and allow be allowed to be that independent. So when that independence is taken away from you, uh, there's nothing more stressful. So yeah, so I guess our aim is to reduce set stress, no hip pocket burden, choice of repairer and getting the car fixed properly, not um, secondhand parts, aftermarket parts, bog filled, you know, really top notch repairs, because my reputation is centered around the repairers that I'm aligned with. So I'm not going to sully my reputation in the marketplace well, by not having good repairers. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the uh, option of the car, the vehicle replacement, um, that's a great thing. And then obviously that your own vehicle is going to be repaired to quality or, or written off, of course, and, and yep. replaced and, and you then will be uh, chasing the other party's insurance for the entirety of the claim, including the cost for hire cars and, and uh, either the write-off cost or the repair cost. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, Simon. With the um, write-off, the great advantage that we offer is that um, we um, contract with independent motor vehicle valuers. So if your vehicle is written off, they don't work. None of these guys work for insurance companies. So they're, they're not prejudiced before they even start viewing our customers' cars as to what value. So we get what I would call a true market value, not an insurance company value. Insurance companies won't like me saying that, but there is a marked difference. Look, sometimes they get it right and we get it right, um, but more often than not, um, our guys' research is probably a lot more thorough across a number of platforms that aren't available to uh, the person in the street um, and they've got great resources by way of, um, you know, auction houses, etc., cetera, uh, to get, as I said, real values, not funny money values. Yeah, and the, these assessors that um, go and look at the vehicle damage and, and work out the costs involved, uh, is there some sort of uh, registration that they have or are they um, governed by a body or a department? Yeah, they are governed by a body and all of the, uh, the the crew that we use are all part of that governing body um, and they also have a great pedigree in terms of their own work experience. 
Uh, most of them have either owned and run their own panel shops. So they're able to talk the talk that our repairers talk. Um, they don't talk down to our repairers because they know what their expectations are. And then actually there's a couple of them that have actually been the managers of some of the big name insurers of their main assessing departments. So they're really well credentialed and we're required by law now to submit a code of conduct with every assessment report uh, we like a CV of that expert's background and knowledge to further validate his opinion. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. I've got a question also without notice along these lines. What advice would you give then to someone who's involved in an accident? At the scene of an accident, um, what would you say they need to do, you know, the first few steps they need to take? Yeah, well, look, I think, I mean, the sensible things are, um, you know, stop, take a minute to just deal with what's occurred. Um, in terms of safety, if the vehicle is in a potentially dangerous position on the roadway, if you're able to secure help from others or the person you've had the accident with to remove the vehicle to a point of safety, that's mandatory. Injuries, obviously, you ring triple zero um, or police if your vehicle is creating a hazard so they can attend and set up, you know, the necessary traffic uh, conditioning. In terms of our involvement, simply exchange your details with the other party, obtain theirs. We've all now got mobile phones. They're the greatest tool for um, post-accident information. If the other driver is open to having an image of their license, driver's license taken, make sure you do that. Um, obtain their name and address. And I would even take still photos, and if you're reasonably tech savvy, a video of the accident location. So close up and from a distance. So somebody like me can see, if you like, a mini movie of what's occurred because it makes my job so much easier translating what's happened in the accident to the insurer. And it prevents any argy-bargy over he said that and we did that and he came out of the stop sign and no, he didn't. Even if it's happening post-accident, those first few images are absolute gold in achieving a win for our clients. Absolutely. And would you say that, have a look around and look for some witnesses, some people who might have yeah. seen what's going on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Simon. Witnesses are gold. Um, I, I look, in this day and age, it's difficult to secure witnesses. You know, people are busy. They don't want to stop. They overthink their involvement. Um, they worry that if they favour, you know, uh, you over the other driver, there might be some, you know, comeback um, about that. But look, um, I think people, in my experience, are generally good and will help you if you ask. But sometimes you do have to have the confidence to ask. Um, and yeah. most people will go, yeah, mate, I saw what happened. They're often, again, my experience tells me that people will not come up into that exchange where you're talking to the other party, but they will hang in the background. So just be aware of the the people around you and go up to them and say, excuse me, you know, did you see the accident? Can you help me? And all we need is a mobile phone number. Again, in this digital age, that's all that's required. Yeah, that's brilliant. Can I just add something, just a bit of uh, 
advice as well from our perspective. See, a yeah. lot of the times we end up uh, needing to locate uh, a driver who, who's actually hit another vehicle yeah. um, simply because the driver, your client possibly, has taken a photo of the front of the licence without turning it over to really check the actual address of the of the other driver. Um, so it's always important to get a photo of both sides of the licence if you can, and also ask them, is this your current address? Because some people just simply put old addresses on or you know don't update with Vic Roads or with the police. So um, those sorts of things are going to save you a lot of hassle in the long run where you know, we can't find the other driver because he, you know, he only gave us his address from eight years ago or six years ago and uh, not the current address. And also, as you said, a mobile number's, you know, very helpful. Any any information like that will always help. Even if they give you a business card, you know, that's great because that's got their business details on it. Um, those things all help um, in the end identifying um, in the odd case that, you know, we don't get immediately in communication with the other driver. Yeah, and and that's exactly right. Unfortunately, not only our state but other states where we do um, these claim recoveries, unfortunately, the, the address is often um, on the back of the licence. Um, and when you're in shock, stressed, adrenaline's pumping, you, you clearly don't have the presence of mind to say, oh, excuse me, could you turn the licence over? Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right, Simon. Just attention to detail if you can manage it at the time is you know it'll just speak volumes later as you say if we have difficulties and that's of course leading into why we have a relationship with you and your organization i think another thing is also to leave it to the professionals leave the conversations to the professionals i, I had a friend of mine a couple of years back who mm. um his his parked car got hit at yeah. a I can't remember where it was, but, you know, it's a parked car. Um, yes. And he saw it all go down and the person got out and went, I'm so, so sorry. Um, can, I'll give you this amount of cash right now if you just, like, forget about it. And yeah. it's like, well, actually, no, I think we're just going to grab each other's details and, you know, have the com and let, you know, the professionals talk to the professionals. You know, it's it's that classic line, my people will talk to your people. Do you, do you find that that's something that you would potentially recommend as well? Yeah, I think... Um you know, you need to do your due diligence. And I, I think if um, people can use us as a resource, it's not about whether we get the job or not. Um, the reason I decided to open my own practice is that I felt that there was a real uh, gap in um, our profession in the in these um, motor car accident claims, that there was nowhere people could go to as um, a resource for advice. So I'm more than happy to give my time uh, freely and regularly to anybody involved in an accident that wants me to talk them through the process. And that process is not a template. It's specifically, as you've just highlighted, to your friend's scenario. Got out of the car. The other guy's probably got a $400 excess. He's trying to get out of settling the claim equal to that excess so he doesn't have to make a claim, lose a rating, and then cop an increased premium and lose his excess. So that's the motivator for somebody in your friend's scenario. So yeah, we get lots of calls on a daily basis for people that just want clarity. Um, and it doesn't always lead to work, but I just feel better in making sure people get the right advice and don't get hoodwinked and end up down the wrong path.
Yeah. Mm. And the problem with accepting a, a small amount just to, you might think, oh, yeah, they've just hit my bumper. There's only a touch yeah. of pain and it's hanging off. But if you go and get that repaired, that a couple of hundred dollars or whatever you might accept won't even cover the cost of the paint, you know, let alone rehang the bumper or you don't know what internal damage has been done, in, especially in boot spaces and things like that. Some things, some small accidents actually end up being a write-off for the vehicle, don't they, Virginia? Yeah, that's actually right. I think uh, as of now, we're now a country that is importing all vehicles from overseas. Um, and the cost of repairing, whether honestly it's a Mercedes-Benz or a Kia Rio, the labour costs are the same, the paint costs are the same, and to be quite frank, the part costs are the same. So um, as you were saying, a, you know, probably a Kia Rio is a good example. Um, you, you know, if somebody hits the Kia Rio in the back while stopped at the traffic lights, the cost of repairing that back end is likely to write the car off because the cost of repairing it um, exceeds the car's value, where if that's a Mercedes, it's got a much higher value. The cost of repairing the back is going to be the same as the Kia, but because the market value is that much greater, we can repair it. So, yeah, people um, just are still got a bit of a 1975 mindset, I guess, about the cost of repairs. Oh, it's just a scratch and... $500 fix seems to fix everything. That's the constant number that comes up. The reality is a scratch in this day and age is double that. So, and that's what I said. Advertisable, this is great. So, <laughs> yeah, cut, so cut tell, it down. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, I, no, trust me, the more the better, trust me. Um, so, within all of the cases that you get to work with, what would be one of the highlights where you've met, you know, maybe you've helped a family, maybe you've helped someone, maybe, like, can you tell us maybe one or two yeah. highlights? Um, yeah, I've got some, uh, feel, I've got a, a feel-good story and what if I add in, just to add, change the pace a bit, a bit of a, a couple of fun claims that where people just say the most outrageous things. So, are we sounds okay? Great. Sounds that? great. Okay. All right. Yeah. So the serious one is um, I was contacted by these clients that live in country Victoria. They had quite a serious uh, quite a serious accident at a on a country road, and it's just crazy how you know two cars in the middle of nowhere with no traffic have quite a serious accident. Um, there was police involved. There was road rage involved, um, and it got quite physical. We were, uh, so, and unfortunately, our clients who were maintaining their innocence were uninsured. The other party was a company uh, utility. So they had deeper pockets and we had to go up against a bit of a D David Goliath kind of story. So moving forward, um, we uh, took on the big company, sued them, uh, because I believed my clients. Many didn't. Um, and uh, I, I just felt in my gut, if I can be really crude, I like to think after 30 years, I know when I'm being, um, you know, stooged. So I, I went with my gut. Glad I did. Anyway, very fortunately, we were contacted by an independent witness who was very reluctant to, as I said earlier in uh, the podcast, was reluctant to come up to the accident scene because the defendant third party was quite an aggressive uh, man and was trying to punch my client through his um, 
through his driver's side window. So clearly he didn't want to get involved in that, get involved in that. So the reason it came about was simply on Facebook. My client had an interest in a particular model of car. So did the uh, witness. And through those conversations, it just by fluke came up that they had been, he'd seen this accident. So we were able to get a statement from the witness um, that was accepted. We gave the uh, other insurance company uh, and their lawyers the opportunity to interview our witness because we felt so strongly that this guy was the real deal. Interview, deal done, paid in full, walk away. And our clients are very happy that um, they've now got the money to go out and buy a new four-wheel drive. And so that was that's kind of my feel-good story. Um, that's brilliant. Known, yeah, yeah. That's great, yeah. Um, in terms of the funny ones, um, had a, an interesting one just uh, very recently. Um, a a pea plater um, driving along a one up, one down country road, sealed road, um, suggests to my client and the independent witness that was also nearly hit that the wind forced him onto the wrong side of the road, causing the collision. Now, we can have in Melbourne, Australia, extreme weather conditions. So we're all familiar with that. One minute it's sunshine, next minute it's 13 centimetre hail. So, um, you know, you can't discount these things. But we did fortunately have um, an independent witness um, who was behind the pea plater and just said he just drifted for no apparent reason onto the other side of the road. And his vehicle was much heavier in tonnage than my client's vehicle, the witness's vehicle, and the other vehicle that was subsequently involved in the collision. <laughs> I was going to say, it's interesting that only one of the cars got moved by the wind, but the other two managed to keep yeah. it in a straight line. I know, but look, I, I have handled claims where there have been... Um, isolated weather events and um, it just wasn't believed to the point that I had to get the Bureau of Meteorology to provide me with a report on that date and time. Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah. And so don't, mean, I, never, I never discount anything because you just, as I said, you can have in Australia quite isolated <laughs> weather events in a, over a very small, you know. Would a, would, a, would a severe weather event, though, say the wind did push him, that wouldn't neg negate his liability, would it at all? Yeah, it would. It would. Okay. It, it would. Yeah, so there's a, an aspect of, of law that they call inevitable accident. So, um, and just to give you some really simple views on that, again, we'll use our wind. If there was like one of these mini cyclone tornadoes and the Bureau were able to pinpoint that in that township at that time between, you know, two and three, that that occurred, the insurance company would have a very good defence in not paying my client's claim. Wow. Yeah. So each would have to go their own way or would yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So our client would have to then go back through his own insurance company to make a claim. He, it wouldn't be an at-fault claim. So he's not going to, he or she's not going to be penalised, hmm. but it just means that we can't complete the normal recovery. 
That's um, that's very interesting because often we get copies of police reports, don't we, um, yeah. to do with accidents, which is well, it's great. If you can get a police report, it's going to give you give us a lot more information, and they definitely always put the weather yes. um, in there. And if there was anything extreme, and you know, they also tell you the state of the road. The road was had potholes. Yeah. Or the road was very well sealed, and it was dry, or it was wet. Yeah. Um, it was hailing, or it was snowing, or it was yeah, yeah a forty five degree day. Um, yeah. So. That's uh, that's very interesting. I never knew that. I love uh, learning new things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so they they kind of refer to it, whether you're religious or not. They they kind of put that that wind, you know, cyclone scenario into the the words like act of God. So whether you're nah. religious or not, they just call it a, an act of God. Um, it's a bit like um, I've handled claims where. Um, uh, the at-fault driver has had a medical episode before the impact. Ah, yes. And that is where it gets a little bit hairy. And as you say, police reports are really vital in those cases. Um, so unfortunately, if that other person has had a medical episode that's caused them to lose control of their car, again, we have no claim against that person's insurer because it's not their bad driving that's called the accident. It's their medical episode of which they've had no control over. So mm. they shouldn't be penalised for that. Bee stings, um, another good one. You've got your window down, you're cruising down the highway, a bee comes in or a wasp and stings you. Um, you lose control of your car as a natural reflex to the pain and discomfort and collide with another car ahead of you. Again, be at fault, not the driver. So again, you have to claim through your own insurance. Gee, that's very interesting. I never knew of that. That's, uh, that's amazing. Do you think with that wind scenario, do, do you think they – did they suggest the wind immediately at the time to the witness? Yes. They yes, did straight away. That's why, that's why I was concerned because he's got yeah. straight out of the car and blamed the wind. Ah. Uh, and that's that made me very nervous. Normally the excuses come later. They yeah. admit first, then it, then find reasons to excuse themselves later when they've had time to think about it. But, no, mm. this young man got out of the car and started with the wind defence right from the get-go, and that's wow. my, my radar. Woo, alert, alert, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, uh, that's brilliant. What a great story. <laughs> I cannot believe that. That is a part of it. Is having bees be stung? Sorry, getting a bee sting, and you know, I, it's one of those things. I I don't know. I freak out enough when I sneeze when I'm driving, but that's a whole other thing. Um, well, the sneeze. I should say to you, John, that um, uh, a sneeze is another one. If you really? have a violent sneeze, especially Australia hay fever, where um, if you have a violent sneezing fit, which causes you to lose control of your car, that's another reasonable defence to avoid uh, us claiming. I shouldn't wow. be giving that information out widely, but there you go. Oh, I'm sure it's all online anyway. It's public knowledge. <laughs> I, believe, I believe you can't sneeze with your eyes open, so that's probably why, you know, you do when you sneeze. You shut your eyes naturally. So um, there's yeah. rumours out there about what happens if you try and open your eyes when you sneeze, but we won't even talk about that. We'll save that for another day. <laughs> yeah, Hay fever it. strikes anyway, again. So they're the fun ones. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hay fever strikes again. Well, hey, yeah. Um, well, what has been one of the biggest challenges for you and maybe your law firm? Uh, biggest challenge, I guess, for me was um, setting up the law practice and moving on from that 
um, gaining the credibility of my peers um, simply because I'd had a significant break between being employed um, at Slater and Gordon and setting up my practice. And um, repairers don't suffer fools, uh, in my experience. So um, it, it, uh, I have to say, I didn't, I, I expected a difficulty, but it was actually, um, the process was a lot smoother than I thought it was going to be because um, they hadn't forgotten me. <laughs> <laughs> They'd had some good results in the past, and uh, you well, know. yeah, yeah, and I guess that um, you know you've got to. I've never, even, whether I was working for someone or now working for myself, I've always valued high integrity, and I've always looked at every claim I've handled as if it, if it was my parents' file. How would I mm -hmm. handle it? I know that sounds really cheesy, and people won't believe it, but I actually do go. If this was my mum and dad, how would I want this to be dealt with? Um, yeah, and I think that's, that's a really good mindset. Absolutely, absolutely. And following on from that, our next question is, what characteristics do you believe makes a great legal professional? Look, I think you've got to have high integrity. Um, I think you've got to be a great tactician. Um, you can't afford to be narrow-minded in how you process a claim. And you've got to be a great lateral thinker. You've got to have a sense of humour, otherwise you won't survive. Um, and just be prepared to learn something from your clients every day. I think there's a lot of lawyers out there that um, sometimes don't listen as well as they should. And I've learned a lot from my clients and I've improved. By now, it's terrible. It's like no, it's, it's, okay. part of, uh, it's part of Zoom bingo is, I feel. <laughs> That was a great answer, by the way. I'm sure that's that was a yeah. No, I was actually saying that was a really yeah. That was a wonderful answer. Um, but I wanted to see what you advice you would have to any you know potential young yeah. uh, lawyers that are out there who are or even legal professionals who are wanting to get into this industry. What advice would you have for them? Yeah. Um, look, I. I don't know if I can give advice about my industry specifically because really you have to have had either, like me, a claims experience. I don't think you can set up a practice that does motor vehicle claims unless you've either had an insurance background or you've worked as a paralegal or lawyer uh, for an insurance company. So I, I think I'll just give perhaps general advice because I'm often contacted by young lawyers that want to work with our practice because they're quite fascinated by what we do because it's so different to what they teach at uni and they've never heard yeah. of it to be quite honest. Absolutely. I would say to any young graduate lawyer or any uni student studying law that never assume that the most menial task doesn't have some value. So um, in when I worked uh, for my first legal employer, we had many um, article clerks or graduate lawyers come and work with us. And um, it was the respect that they had for us and the staff was quite phenomenal because they just had never heard of what we do. Um, and it was a really steep learning curve. So I think just, just listen, learn, and don't assume that 
making the coffee for the boss hasn't got some value because you might pick up a snippet in the tea room from somebody else that might lead on to something. So just keep your mind open and don't discount anything. I think also it's really important in this day and age not to pigeonhole yourself into a particular legal category. So I'm at uni and I'm going to be a family lawyer. I'm at uni and I'm going to be a uh, finance bank lawyer. I think keep your options open because what you thought you were going to be interested in, um, the ivory tower might not necessarily offer you what you thought you were going to get. So I think be open, be resilient and be a bit of a chameleon in that you, you can change. Because I think in the world today, um, and I've watched um, a couple of very interesting um, female leaders on this point that in my generation, you would really only have one job for your entire adult life, gold watch, retire. My, in the 20 something generation, they've done statistics that they will have seven career changes in their adult life. I have an 18 year old that's just about to finish VCE. The stats are that she will have 14 different career changes in her adult life wow. moving on. Wow. So gone are the days of 20 year career working for the same boss. So again, as a legal practitioner or law student, be tactile, be, be willing to try different things because the path that you thought you were going to be on may change. And don't be disappointed by that because it will probably open more doors and be far more beneficial. Um, so, yeah, and basically... I guess it keeps, keeps life interesting too, doesn't it, if you, yeah. you know, you don't, you're working on a whole different range of cases and, you know, you're yeah. not just locked into, okay, we just follow this procedure for this one, but, you know, you're always learning and you're growing and I think that probably would help with the longevity of a career as well, just being able to adapt and, and learn all different styles of law and um, what's required um, and adapting yourself to be able to listen to your client, listen to yeah. what the law says about this situation and work out how you can put those two together to get the best result. Yeah, and and just um, and the other thing I was going to say, and probably a good example is how I got into what I do purely by accident. I'd been backpacking around Europe, like most Aussies, I think probably still do today. Came back with a big credit card debt, desperate to get a job. Um, I got a job just out of the blue as a claims officer with, um, I'll say it, RACV, uh, had no clue, no clue. Actually, I don't even think I owned a car at the time. So that's how green and naive I was. So by way of example, I would never have thought I would be where I am today from that, what I thought was a stopgap job, if I'm really honest. Sorry, RACV, they were great employers. Um, <laughs> uh, I just never knew. So that's my experience. It may not be somebody else's, but yeah, that's how I kind of fell into this world. Yeah. That's very cool. Very cool. Now we mentioned earlier that you guys have been working together for some time. Yeah. Um, what sort of led you to use a private investigator? As um, Simon mentioned earlier, not, not every client, English is often a second language. Um, they've, um, they've never had an accident before. Shock uh, plays a major part in how people cope at a scene of an accident. I personally have been in 
Um, you don't go through life not having an accident. If you do, you've probably caused a few and haven't been in them. Uh, I myself have been in accidents and, yes, I'm the expert and I should know and I have walked away from an accident with half the information that Simon and I have talked about that I should have got. So no one's perfect. Um, so those imperfections lead me to use down under investigations to get that information that we don't have. So, and obviously we want to ensure the right result for our client. They come to us for that purpose. So we couldn't do that if we didn't use down under investigations in finding that information that gets us to the at-fault driver that then gets to the insurance company that gets my client paid. Yeah, and occasionally you'll, uh, and and we receive files where there is a full address and there is a mobile number, there is all those details, but we turn up at the address to serve the papers as we need to um, in in terms of the claim and the the court process, and they have moved. And it's like, well, what would a generic process server do just then? Uh, Some would just return the documents to you and say, sorry, they don't live there anymore and send you their big bill. Whereas, you know, obviously you find with us that we get straight out there and try and locate uh, the new address, um, often straight away on get on the smartphone, um, get onto the databases and the access that we have um, to locate someone uh, there and then because we want to get the result, get them served as quick as we can and um, yeah. and then obviously not hit you up with a big bill at the end of the day. <laughs> no, and, and that's it. We pay, I don't know how they do what they do for the very reasonable fees that they charge. Oh, now my, my fees will go up now. But anyway, that's fine. <laughs> um, but um, they do a great job and they don't need me to tell them how to do their job. And I think that's really important. You know when you hand a file over, as Simon just said, they go out, they try and serve a document on a third party. No, no, they, they were the previous tenants. Well, these guys don't come back to me and say, oh, sorry, we couldn't serve it. They're on. They're, they're finding out who the body corporate is, who the, the rental agent is managing the property, and they're making inquiries for forwarding addresses, and they're doing that. So, you know, we can go back to the client and say, guess what, you know, our, our you know, private investigators, process servers were successful. We've located them in Smith Street, Dandenong. We're now going to go there. And, you know, you get the win because uh, when you're dealing with corporates, by the time you actually get the file, it's not, it, it could be months, it could be weeks. So people move. And, uh, yep. yeah. and we, we really believe that everyone can be located. It's just sometimes a matter of time. Um, sometimes people uh, have gone missing deliberately, sometimes not so deliberately. And it's all about um, being patient, making the right inquiries and putting putting the big puzzle together. Because we do get asked, oh, how do you locate someone? How, how do you find someone? It's like, well, you know, how, or how long is it going to take for us to locate someone? Well, how long is a piece of string? Because um, sometimes it can take five minutes, sometimes it can take five months. Um, we've located people all over the place, including on the side of Mount Buller. It's one of my favourite stories where, yeah, we were were looking after a a client. Um, It was actually a personal debt that um, a a client was owed 
uh, and they just needed this person located. And yeah, through a series of searches and that sort of thing, looking at some online photos, we were able to determine exactly where this person was working. And then from that, where they were living now, because it was the side of Mount Buller, uh, it was summer, so they weren't actually working at the time. They were just up there taking a break still because um, there's no snow. So they were working like in the ski field restaurants, but they were closed down. So it was a matter of uh, finding the location. And then we knew because we'd seen a photo of the back of what this vehicle looked like and it stood out like a... With the, yeah. um, the turnover because they were very slow delivering the files which created a lot of cases where we had to do locations so yeah yeah that's great and you know we we pride ourselves that we do have a team and a network you know right across australia so um if we find them in sydney or we find them in you know the blue mountains he looks like me i've got glasses and i still do the same <laughs> there he is my goodness what is going on i was going to say speaking of numbers um how can a couple of different ways um Obviously, the landline number, um, which is a really easy one to remember. Did you want me to read it off or? Yep. Okay. So it's nine four six five double five double five. So super easy. Um, we also have an online social media presence. So you can follow us on Instagram, uh, Twitter. For the professionals, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, any means, uh, you can, um, yeah. And, um, uh, we've got a website too, nortonlawyers.com.au. You can download our claim forms. It's a great resource too. It's not just about us. Um, we've got numbers there for, um, all the things you will need, police, uh, if you need insurance brokers, Anything to do with cars, vehicles. On our show notes and make sure that it's uh, ready about... Really, <laughs> I was trying to say readily available, but I got tongue-tied. That's um, all right. I'll say it again. That's a great resource, and we're going to make sure that that information goes on our show notes. So, um, you know, any listeners who want to get in contact um, with Virginia can easily find that number and that website. Um, and the, the social media as well, um, follow what they do. And, uh, yeah, that's brilliant. And I should just say, sorry, um, I should just say that you'll actually be talking to me. Um, I know a lot of law firms make you go through, you know, phase one, talk to the receptionist, then you might go through to the law clerk and then you might go to da, da, da. No, 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 you lucky people get me. So um, I pride myself on offering my time because if you've made the time to ring me, I'm going to respect that by giving you my time. So, yeah. And as you can tell, you know, if you're listening, she uh, has a vast experience and, you know, she'll be able to answer your questions, no doubt. So it's brilliant. Brilliant podcast, hasn't it? Yes. Well, it's my first. So, um I don't know how I've gone. I'll let others judge that and hopefully they'll be kind. Um, but, no, I'm I'm eternally grateful for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed it um, and um, I've enjoyed talking about my business. I hope I haven't bored too many people. But um, Absolutely not. You're a natural. And, um, <laughs> some of these great stories and, uh, you know, great insights, like we're learning things absolutely a lot of wisdom and a lot of uh knowledge that you're sharing it's just you've dropped uh absolute gold bombs on us today so that's been brilliant 
All right. Well, thank you. And thank you again, um, Simon, and your amazing team for what you do for us uh, to make us look good because, um, yeah, that you've got to work with a team. Absolutely. We agree. <laughs> for more information on how we can help, go to downunderinvestigations.com or call 1300 849 007.